In 2008, a fatal train crash occurred in Southern California. A man was among those who tragically passed in this accident, though for the following 12 hours, his family received repeated calls from his cell phone. Today, we look at the supernatural implications of the Charles Peck calls. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to another episode of Red Web, the podcast all about the unsolved nature of this world, true crime, mysteries, cryptids, everything in between. I'm your resident mystery enthusiast, Trevor Collins, and joining me, hearing this mystery for the very first time, Alfredo Diaz. Um, repeated phone calls? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I don't, that's hard to explain. Hard to I mean, explain. sure, from a technical standpoint, you could probably set some type of system up sure um you know just in, i mean i'm already gonna put this out there right now uh if i unfortunately meet an early demise it's gonna be a saw situation oh god Where it's like okay. do you think this podcast is over because i'm no longer with you <laughs> we'll still get it like a two years three years worth yeah. of podcast out of this gonna, man <laughs> somehow I, I, yeah there's gonna be a lot of like uh leftover tapes and recordings <laughs> oh and, and, and and voice reactions and whatnot and so this will continue <laughs> it will not end with my demise i i both love and i hate that um <laughs> so this isn't the first time we've talked about the supernatural, the paranormal kind of interacting with technology. And this is something that happened in 2008, smartphones on the market, really blowing up. But we've talked about, you know, it'll be the future. It's going to be the future. And we've, that's always, I think Christian and I, we were kind of talking about this before we recorded. This feels like another subgenre to paranormal activity kind of topics to ghost stories. Yeah. As technology advances, we've talked about them interfering via, not interfering, but communicating via emails via websites, leaving messages in that way, talking via phone calls or at least calling. And so, I, I mean, I'm sure the task force is already predicting, you know, we are the movie podcast about mysteries. Yes, we are. And so they're, they're anticipating that because every time we talk about something like this, I go pulse. I go, I go <laughs> white noise, but not the 2022 one because you're just causing confusion now. <laughs> Kylo Ren. <laughs> Adam Driver, that's his name. Yeah, yeah, Adam Driver. <laughs> I didn't realize that movie existed until I was looking up scenes while we were re researching this, this outline. I was looking up scenes from that movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. So we're going to talk a bit about that. We're going to go through the background, the crash, and kind of how all that unfortunately went down, and then talk about the discovery phase, the investigation into these calls and into the wreck itself. And then, of course, a lot of this episode is going to live in the theories, dissecting kind of is this a technological issue? Is this something a little bit more morbid? Or is this a more supernatural event? And there's kind of some studies behind that angle that I'm actually really excited to talk about. Yeah. It's so 2008. Mm -hmm. Is this, what type of cell phone is this? We don't know, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Because I'm just saying, if it's like a Razor flip phone, mm -hmm. you know, maybe... Then he's the cool kid in school. Stuck on, like, how does that get stuck on call, though? Right. Like, I don't even then, like... I love that you're pulling it apart a, already, if like, it's technologically. Smart, yeah, if, we, mm -hmm. like, if it's a smartphone, there's no real way that you can break the chip to constantly ping right. the touch screen. I don't... Yeah, it feels don't like... I love that you're asking that because it's the right thing to ask. This is the early stages of smartphones as I lived it. That's This is the time, literally the year 
where I think I got a Razer smart like phone, uh, not smartphone, just a yeah. flip phone. Back in our day. Yeah, back in our day, my knees are starting to creak. And this is kind of where smartphones are really starting to creep out in there, but like it's it's not hit the broad market yet because yeah. they're not cost effective enough yet. And so I'm wondering, again, we don't have that information, but there's something there with the old school phones and computer chips and whatnot. So maybe he had one of those not flip phones, right? Like the brick ones yeah. that are like kind of cool, but I don't know. That That's definitely a good angle to be thinking about though. Yeah. Because smartphones, I don't, I don't know. I'd be lost on that one. A lot of software. Let's begin. Let me take you back to September 12th, 2008. Charles Peck, a.k.a. Chuck, was riding a Metrolink commuter train in Los Angeles after his flight in from Utah. He was working for an airline in Salt Lake City, Utah, and he was in town in Los Angeles to interview with the position at Van Nuys Airport. Peck's fiance, Andrea Katz, was from Westlake Village, a city also in Los Angeles County. They had been waiting to start their planning for their wedding for when they both could live in the same state. She would be waiting to pick him up at the other end of this train, the last stop in Moore Park at 4.45. Unfortunately, at 4.22 p.m. in Chatsworth, the train Peck was on collided with a freight train going the opposite direction, creating a collision at a combined speed of 83 miles per hour or 133 kilometers per hour, while 225 passengers were on board. In what became known as the Chatsworth train accident, 135, more than half of the passengers, were injured and 25 people were killed. Katz was on her way to Moore Park when she heard about the news on the radio, news of the crash. Peck's parents also lived in the area, so they joined Katz as they waited for the news from the crash site. I can't even imagine. Oh my God. Oh my my goodness. Just waiting to see. There are some survivors. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. Especially knowing the background. That's just... Ugh, heart-wrenching. He's trying to move to state, to be with you, to have you forever, and you're waiting for him. News comes in. Terrible. Now, not long after hearing about this news and waiting with the parents, Peck actually called Katz, but when she answered the phone, all she could hear was static on the other end. Katz, of course, instinct kicks in. She starts to give and share encouraging words to try to keep him positive, regardless of what he might be going through. He told him help was on the way and that things would be okay. For 11 hours, Peck continued to call Katz his children, his stepmother, his brother, and his sister. When his family picked up, they too only heard static on the other end of the phone. Wait, okay, hold on now. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just pinging one phone, it was pinging different phones? Multiple phones. And specifically the family. And there's like phone records of this stuff? So this, okay, Christian's shaking his head, yeah, so this happened. Yeah, nodding his head, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're talking cell phones pinging off of towers, phones showing record of calls coming in, family exclusively, yeah. I'm very intrigued I want to think when we eventually get to, yeah. like, the theories, mm-hmm. because this is just, like, again, just initial, like, gut check. The stuff like this, to me, I'm like, I'm, boom, smoking gun. Uh-huh. How is this smoking gun, ghost huh? done? Pack it up, Patrick Swayze. Real. Wait, what? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, before before I get into my instincts, I think I'm with you, and I think I know where you're going, but I want to dig into it before I get there. Okay. What's standing out to you? Why is this odd? It's just the ping in multiple phones. Mm-hmm. Right? That just seems like that has to be a ma- that, like it's a manual function. I don't unless there's some uh, like that like if there is a malfunction. That would have to be through the cell towers or the provider, mm-hmm. which just seems 
I don't know. I don't just don't see that. Right. Like I'm making something up here because I don't know much about cell signals, but like if he was caught mid call to somebody and the phone signal got interrupted, but the tower kept pinging that one call. Yeah. Yeah. So now that it that it's multiple people, that's interesting. It just makes it a lot harder. Like how are you constantly, how do you malfunction to the point where you're pinging your contact list? Right. As opposed to just one person. Right. Even then, pinging the one person is, I'm like, okay, sure, maybe it's a glitch. Now this, is a, now this turns into like a wild glitch. Yeah. And I think that's the foundation really for the curiosity here. So that's the pragmatic angle to take, is, is kind of discussing it from that angle. So continuing on that line of thinking, we also noticed in the research that when the family attempted to call him back, as many of them did several times, the calls went straight to Peck's voicemail. Of course, that usually happens when someone's on the other line, it's busy, the phone's inaccessible, the phone's off, whatever the reason, but those are the situations where it goes straight to voicemail and doesn't ring. In total, his family members received 35 calls during this time. Damn! 35 calls over 11 to 12 hours. Over 11? Okay, come on. Now you tell me that, that all that was malfunctioning for that long? But that specific window, because then these calls ceased around 3 a.m. I wonder, that, I mean... Witch, when's the witching hour? That is 3 a.m. Okay. Yeah. Just a quick question. But I am curious, you know, again, trying to analyze both the pragmatic and the more spiritual. Like, I'm curious what technological reasons there would be for 3 a.m. That is, let's see, we're Pacific time at 6 a.m. Eastern, so it's not like it's a midnight turnover of days or dates. I don't know. I can't really mess with this one too much. Can't really debunk is what I'm trying to say. Even then, I guess, like, the when the phone company be able to verify that there's some kind of glitch in the system as to why it was, like... So that's something I think we were looking into. But then again, it's like, how are they... Do they even care? You yeah. Know what I mean? Like, how do you really I don't think go? they know to look for it yet. Yeah. And I don't think in our research that there was anything found about, like, towers being pinged or anything else because it all really became about, like, localized information. What's right. on people's phones? What's showing as who rang who? But, I mean, and I'll get to it. I don't want to spill the beans too quickly, but there is actual evidence that these calls were going out. It is part of the investigation piece. I just... So the calls went out yeah. from his phone, just for sure. Just from a technological standpoint, how does it, how does that work? How does, how does it glitch, like, from a physical hardware standpoint or just a back-end standpoint? Doesn't make sense to me. This guy's a PC techie, and I'm loving watching his brain rack this one around, trying to figure it out. I'm just thinking, like, yeah. is there some way that, that, like, it would constantly, like, is it wedged? And so then from, but then again, that's mm -hmm. a constant string of, like, um, a, a specific series of actuations on the keys. You're saying, like, if two buttons were wedged, it would, like, cycle yeah. down a contact and call, yeah, cycle but that's down just a contact like, call, I, cycle, call. That's just so, that's just so, I don't know. Yeah. That's so far-fetched. And then and on top of that, I don't really think you're able to, I mean, maybe electronically you fry the CPU in some way. I don't know, man. Like it, yeah, yeah just from a technological yeah. standpoint, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It's a tough one. Now, and even when we discuss that angle in the theories, it's not, you know, fully yeah. oh, like, solidified. The only question I have, Christian, as I kind of move on, I'll let you kind of search this one up. Do we know, this is a very niche question, who hung up when the family members received the calls where they dropped after after static? 
Or was it that eventually they go, well, I'm going to hang up now because like I would struggle to hang up, but also like, what do you do? Because obviously the calls were made and ended and made and ended. From what we, I mean, I can, I can do some additional digging, but from what we could find in the research, it never got that yeah. specific. Unfortunately. Okay. Now that's kind of the background of the crash. Now, before we move on, I do want to say this feels again, very specific, but we also looked into the distribution of these calls. How many calls were made to any given family member? Were they evenly spread across them? Was it more to, let me just make it up, more to the wife versus the kids versus the, the extended family, etc.? There's no information on that. We also found no information regarding calls to other contacts in his phone. Because you have to imagine that maybe there are other people in there. These curiosities will come up in our first theory. It's again an angle with which we wanted to try to either substantiate right. or debunk a more technological angle. That's true, too. Like, if the phone was somehow wedged or short-circuit in a specific way where it was calling contactless, that doesn't apply here because then... Who has contact... Who has a phone that's only their family? You got friends on there. You got other people. And this is only pinging the family members, right? So far. I mean, so like far, I said, so we'll, far. we'll dive into that a little oh, bit more man. in detail. But let's talk now about the search and rescue and kind of the discovery so search and rescue teams tried to find Peck and other victims of the crash by tracing phone calls from the time, but specifically his phone calls. They had previously searched the rubble in the first train, but decided to try again since these cell phone calls were consistently and actively pinging towers and phones, right? The family. So that, that called them back to the scene. An hour after the calls stopped, which would be about 12 hours after the crash, rescuers actually found Peck. Now, unfortunately, Peck was discovered deceased and, according to investigators, must have died upon impact during the crash a full 12 hours earlier, again, preceding these calls going out. Yeah, I mean, they most likely were able to tell, like, yeah, time of death. And I mean, because you can tell by the decay of the body and then by certain uh, points of impact on the mm -hmm. body. Probably where they were sat in the train and yeah, damage to yeah, the train exactly. itself. And yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. Now, eerily enough, they never did find the very phone that led them to Peck's body in the very first place. Upon investigating, the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, found out that the engineer of Peck's train, Robert Sanchez, had run a red light. Two teenagers who were interested in Sanchez's career had actually been texting him during this ride. In a painfully ironic sequence of events, he missed the red light because he was texting with these interested teenagers, people that also maybe wanted to be train engineers oh no yeah and it was determined that sanchez's final text was sent 22 seconds before the collision the ntsb stated that if the train had quote positive train control as it's called or ptc the chatsworth collision could have been prevented ptc are systems that prevent collisions and speeding using gps radios and computers to notify the engineer of the train when to slow down when to stop it's basically a way for trains to communicate with the surroundings and help you have Kind of a sixth sense for what's going on with the train. And as a result of this very accident, the U.S. Congress passed the Rail Safety Improvement Act of 2008, which required PTC to be installed in most trains by the end of 2015. Though sadly, not every railroad has implemented PTC. Multiple deadline extensions have been requested, and the lack of PTC has actually been cited since as the cause for train collisions. Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah. I'm sure it's expensive. I'm sure logistics yeah. and all of that. You got to keep the trains moving, but let's I mean, uh, slow down. Still in exactly. Here. Let's take a breath, you know. 
This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Misty Mountain Gaming. Misty Mountain Gaming Dice Company has an incredible catalog of dice in all sorts of materials like stone, resin, glass, and metal. Misty Mountain Gaming offers free shipping to the entire United States and now has new affordable shipping rates for international shoppers. Their dice are perfect for any RPG like Dungeons and Dragons, which I'm a huge fan of, Pathfinder, Shadowrun, Savage World, Math Games, or anything else you can think of. Fredo, I know we play a lot of board games. We got some dice coming in. Let me tell you, when you roll up, a game night mm-hmm. with a custom set of dice. Ooh, that's a look. Especially like, oh, and I'm telling you, the metal dice, not very common, at least in my D&D pool. Yeah. You come rolling those out. Got some weight to it. Yeah, you, you put the fear of God in the DM. <laughs> <laughs> so not to mention, Misty Mountain Gaming is the only dice company that offers a lifetime warranty on all dice sets, including stone and glass. They've also got tons of other gaming accessories, including leather bags, leather books, dice trays, miniatures, and much more. Our friends at Misty Mountain have an exclusive offer just for you Task Force members. Go to MistyMountainGaming.com and use code REDWEB and you're going to get free acrylic dice, a set of your choice, when you spend $20 or more. Again, MistyMountainGaming.com, use promo code REDWEB, you're going to get those free acrylic dice, anyone that you want. That's really nice. This episode of REDWEB is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, and of course that means thinking about gifts. And giving to yourself. And since it's the season of treat yourself and everyone else, let's talk about how we define how we give back to ourselves. Because you get to decide how you do that. And it doesn't have to be with material things, not all the time. Whether it's taking some time to rest or going easier on yourself or going to therapy, give yourself some self-care love this season. I really enjoy what BetterHelp does is because they make therapy accessible, easy to understand, and easy to find the right person for you. And if you're new to all of it, you can go to their website and fill out that questionnaire, and bada-boom, they'll help you find someone localized to your needs. If you're thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp, like I said, is a great option. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. All you have to do is fill out that survey. They're going to match you with a licensed therapist, plus you can switch therapists at any given time. Like I said, that is a huge part about therapy, is finding the right person to talk to, and I love how accessible and easy they make it. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RedWeb today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash RedWeb. This episode of RedWeb is sponsored by HelloFresh. Say hello to a stress-free holiday season with the help of HelloFresh. Skip that stressful trip to the grocery store. I'm adding the adjective because that's just, (laughs) I do not care for grocery store visits. And save all that time with easy, tasty recipes delivered right to your door. With HelloFresh, you can turn weeknights into memorable mealtimes with delicious, practical options like their 15-minute meals. But did you know HelloFresh does more than just dinners? I didn't know that. I know that you like to juice down some goodness in the morning. They have easy breakfasts to start your day off just right. 10-minute lunches to satisfy those afternoon cravings. They've got snacks for both adults and kids, so the whole family's going to love this. Oh, that sounds good. I'm a growing boy. You're a growing boy. <laughs> I need to be Bulking fed. up. You're working out. You need this. HelloFresh also has tasty choices for every mealtime occasion. I love HelloFresh. I love eating food that comes right to my door. It's farm fresh. I get to keep the recipes. I get to cook with my fiance. I can say that now. Uh, but yeah, we, we have a lot of times in the kitchen where we're learning how to cook something new because of HelloFresh. And every single time, I thought I was a picky eater. I like a lot of food. I love that's why, dude. <laughs> HelloFresh has taught me I like a lot of stuff. That's one of the things you don't really think about. Like, you go to the grocery store, oh, pain. 
<laughs> that's just universal. But like you're, you're usually buying the stuff that you right. know and love. It's a pattern. But a then habit. when HelloFresh sends you something, it's fresh, and then you, you're trying it, maybe even just a little bit, yeah. and you go, or oh, I'm kind of in this. And it rotates. Yeah. So it's never the same. Go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWebFree and use code RedWebFree for a free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Wait, what? Yeah, baby. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash RedWebFree with code RedWebFree. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Wait, what? Oh, my God. That's a deal. I mean that. Wow. But that is the background, the discovery, the investigation. Now it's time to talk about kind of the theories that attempt to answer what is going on behind this case. As we've kind of done, and this is our MO, I want to spell this out a little bit more succinctly in each episode, but our MO is always to analyze the case as level-headed as possible, substantiate what we can, and leave open-ended what we can't. We're never going to come in with a biased answer like, this has to be this, or it has to be that. We're going to just take a look at what's going on, but also, really, we're just dissecting the theories that already exist out there. We're not yeah. investigative journalists. No. We're not going to crack the case. No. We'll, we'll uh, give you a nice little overview yeah. of a mystery, dive into it, and dip out. Yes, sir. So, with that said, the first theory, of course, is that of a technological anomaly. Many people have pointed out that what became known as the calls from Charles Peck were most likely a technological error especially since the calls only had the sound of static and any return calls were sent directly to voicemail. Again, something that happens when the phone line is busy, off, or otherwise unavailable. It's been theorized that the phone was going through its contacts or recent contacts. That's an interesting shift uh. because those are two different lists. If I go and pull up the people I most recently either texted or called, you're going to get a different list than everybody I've ever saved into my phone before. But then you can... If you go to the phone records, then you could see the parallels, could you not? If you could find the phone. Oh, it's, hmm. oh I see what you're saying, though. No. If you cross-reference like other the, calls they had made in the past like week or two? Yeah. 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 That should line up. It should. I don't believe that information exists, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I doubt that. But that would really help provide a yeah. this way or that way answer on this case, for sure. Now, as we always do, we discuss the wrinkles with theories. It is worth noting that his family members were not the only people, potentially. I mean, it's reasonable to assume that they weren't the only people in his contact list. As I mentioned earlier, the calls seemed to focus purely on his family with an unknown distribution, and there was no information on other contacts receiving calls. I, I mentioned the distribution because if it were even spread, you know, 35 calls across seven people, that's five calls each, then it would seem to be, I'd be, I would personally be more inclined to go, okay, it does seem to be more of a technological cycling through yeah. contacts. If it was a random distribution, I would think interesting. That feels a bit manual. But again, it's reasonable to assume that he most likely would have at least had his interviewer. Remember, he was in town to interview for a position at the Van Nuys Airport. Mm -hmm. And so you'd think that he either texted or called that person at some point and they would either be in recent contacts or just the address book. Right. And they didn't report any sort of call like that. But also, you know, the extended contacts list, maybe they wouldn't know. If it was a friend in another state, maybe they wouldn't know that it was a weird event, so they wouldn't have reported it. So there are blind spots to this particular angle. Like, there could have been more people than just the family getting calls, and we just won't ever know. Damn. Either way, it is possible, though not as likely, 
if we're talking about random events, that the phone error could have simply just happened to only affect the family members. It would definitely be a very specific type of error, and it's less likely that a phone happens to pick out the family members. But also, like, this is well, 2008. Address books and cell phones aren't really that long yet because, like, phones are still kind of a... They're not a ubiquitous consumer device like they are today. So I I don't know. I just don't. But someone that does have one, uh-huh. especially, like, these are earlier times, you're just thrilled to throw any number in there. Right, right. Honestly, yeah. As because a, you're as just a kid like, in high school, you're going, hoo-hoo, yeah. I got some numbers now. I'm cooking. Everything is saved. Yeah. it's You don't have to have a phone book or a little notepad or anything like that. It's all in there digitally. You're good. You're cooking. Yeah. And so even then, it's like if it's pinging just family members and it's some kind of weird algorithm glitch, not all your family members have the same last name. That's true. So you're you know, you're, they, it probably shows in the records. Or, I mean, you will have access to it. That's not really like a public thing. But like, I'm sure that all the family members that were pink didn't have the same last name. Very likely. Right? I mean, just like, in my own family alone, there's right. at least three, if not four last names flying around. Right. You know, it's this is a mixture of stuff. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's just so weird. It rides that middle ground of being precise, but not. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's such an open door for this theory to be what's going on. I think what knocks the the wind out of it, its sails, is definitely some of these, like, curious odds, right? Like, yeah. but how could it just be the... And again, That's those weird. odds could definitely be answered by hindsight, of course. But if we had those records or if investigators knew to kind of look into that. But really, at the scene, you know, they're just going man, we have loss of life here in the injured. Yeah. We need to deal with this. We're not going to chase down this kind of weird phone call situation. It must be anomalous. Let's move on, right? So yeah. we'll never really know, but... Um, I mean, another possible explanation for yeah. the family member stuff, again, pure speculation. Sure. Maybe all of the family members were listed as favorites in the contacts, and maybe that had some... Was that a function? That's the other thing. I don't remember if that was a, it could have been. a function of cell phones back then. It's been so long. Before before smartphones, they're like, listen, we got a new feature called favorites. <laughs> Just like MySpace, we got top five. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it was. I don't know. Like if that was a thing, maybe that could have factored in in some way that it was like great point. favorites. I, I don't know. Oh, you know what? That just made me think, and we don't do this, but speed dial was a big thing. You wouldn't have to dial in numbers or go to your address book and click on a name. You could say, I want my wife to be speed dial star one. That's true. And so that does inherently make a list. So maybe, ooh, that to me solid, like strengthens this theory is that there could be a speed oh. dial shortlist on your phone that's think going about through. Speed dialing. Yeah. All right. We'll simmer on that one. Now, before we move on to the paranormal theory and the analysis on that, we have a smaller, albeit a little bit more morbid theory. Some have theorized that the calls may have been the result of a prank. Maybe someone found Peck's phone and cruelly called family members to give them false hope. While simple in theory, it is unlikely that everyone in Peck's contacts, as you mentioned, Fredo, were labeled as family or had the same last name. And so this prankster, like how would they have known? Basically who to call and randomly picking out who was gonna be family members and who wasn't might be a little bit more difficult unless, as you said, Christian, there was some sort of favorites list. Damn, the um, the grit to just keep calling for, what, 12 hours or so? Oh, yeah. Like, 
really messed up. That's, dude, that's very that's a, messed up. That does isolate it to like a higher level of like nefarious trolling. That's a bit sick. You know what I mean? Right. Like if it's like, oh, you know, 30 odd phone calls or whatever the course of like an hour. Sure. Mm -hmm. Someone's there dialing. Also like the static. I mean, I guess you can kind of figure out a way to generate static. Or, yeah, I mean, if the phone's maybe, like, damaged and the microphone's not working, yeah, it just kind of automatically sends that. I have a theory, as I like to do, I have a theory that stitches this with the last one, but I have a final thought that kind of picks up what you're putting down, Fredo, and it's that, like, it takes a lot for somebody to sit there at the wreck site for 12 hours calling, only to then somehow lose the phone, take the phone with them, or otherwise ditch it in the train an hour before search and rescue shows up. And, and that's taking it all the way to 3 a.m. and calling 35 times over that time. It is not only very sick, but also, like, very dedicated. Now, again, and I maybe we should look this up because oof, I was not very prolific with a cell phone when I had one as a kid. But what's the process behind speed dialing? Was it, like, star number, star number, pound number, whatever? And was it the same for each cell phone? Christian, as you look that up, the reason I ask is because what if this is neither this theory or the past theory, but something that melds the two, kind of. That the phone was found by another victim who was either injured or fatally wounded, but they just kind of picked up the phone and by muscle memories just started speed dialing the one, the two, oh. the three, the four contact and went through all nine contacts until they cycled back through. And they were trying to ask for help from this stranger's phone who they assumed had some speed dials. And maybe the speaker didn't work. But yes. And like, so they couldn't talk outward, you know? And maybe that's how the calls happened, but it wasn't necessarily a big technological hiccup. Yeah. I mean, you'd probably want to cross-reference that with the last survivor that was discovered. Hmm. Or the last body that was discovered, right? Because if they're if all the buys were accounted for after you know, six hours, yeah, right. But then even then, though, I do like that thought. The phone was never recovered. You would find it next to someone's yeah. body. Would it be recognizable if it was next to someone else, or would you just kind of assume? Because again, the cell phones weren't a big centerpiece to this investigation, outside of the fact that it helped triangulate yeah. where these kind of bodies were found. Yeah, I guess I could have located it. And or maybe the first search kind of, I don't, man, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. It's a very tricky one. Are you seeing anything, Christian? Man, am I making myself sound like a real young millennial right now going, how is speed dial done? <laughs> yeah, how'd that work? <laughs> how do you use a rotary phone? It looks like it depended on the phone. Got it. It would vary from manufacturer to manufacturer. That makes Some, sense. you would just hit a single digit or single button and it would be able to do the call some you'd have to hit the asterisk and then a number some you'd have to do a one or two digit code it, it varied okay okay right. maybe this guy's got a real popular device like the nokia mm. oh blackberry probably. blackberry maybe that was big yeah i don't know i i don't know personally that isn't a theory that we came across but i put it to you task force fredo and christian what do you think about that one? as we go into this next theory that's pretty solid that's, that's a solid like tangent of thought there yeah. yeah, I definitely see. I can see it for sure. Yeah. I think we just like in our modern modern era, which is literally only 15 years later, just forgot about the speed dial. You just go, dude. I forgot about you speed. just go or three way calling, yeah. right? Yeah, group yeah. calls and all group that calls. You just go, hey, so and so, call blank, and your phone will go. God, got the it. Last time you group called someone, man, I was hearing a uh, aim 
notification sounds and like the door going oh yeah and i was like yeah. hearing like that from msn messenger and stuff and i was like whoa that was so nostalgia that was so cool though you see a friend come online mm -hmm. or or someone that you were like interested in then yeah. you start talking yeah and then, and then you, different sometimes you log on to see like who you, who's on because you're bored and you want to chat and because like it is early internet so there's not just like tons of stuff to do except go outside Ugh. <laughs> so like you log on, you're seeing nobody's online. So but but you want to be there for when people are online. Yeah. So you you go invisible. And so when a friend comes on, you go, I'm uninvisible. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I pulled that from my brain. The coincidence that. that we both Whoa. came online. <laughs> rip that from a corner. Unlock your memories. I didn't know. I still had. I <laughs> you're playing pinball 2000, <laughs> and you go, <laughs> and then you go. Who's on? on? Whoa, it's Red Raccoon. <laughs> anyway, the next Dude. theory. <laughs> a very common theory is that the Charles Peck calls were actually a paranormal event, kind of the cornerstone of this yep. entire story. And I really want to break it down because we have some, we've talked about things like this before without really getting into the weeds like this. So I'm excited. So Peck had passed away immediately upon impact, again, according to investigators. Now, as the theory goes, perhaps his spirit was reaching out to his family members as a way to say goodbye. Others add that he may have wanted his body to be found, possibly to give his family some closure, knowing that by activating his cell phone continuously, it would give search and rescue a way to ping that cell phone. The Peck calls could be an example of a supernatural concept known as anomalous telephone contact, or ATC. This includes cell phones, text messages, and even EVP recordings of ghosts and spirits are a type of ATC. ATC cases often involve static, and if a voice is heard, usually there is one, but in rare cases, multiple voices have been heard. And again, this is why I wanted to talk about pulse and white noise, because that's exactly what's going on, kind of elements in both of those films. Parapsychologist D. Scott Rogo and Raymond Bayless introduced ATC in their 1979 book, Phone Calls from the Dead. This is really interesting. This is where paranormal meets tangible. So this is for you, Fredo. They found that in 27% of ATC cases, most of the calls arrived during a time of crisis. 25% occurred within the seven days after a death. 22% of calls they studied were within six months and 10% of calls were received on an anniversary of an emotional event. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a random chance that they happen to be around emotionally wrought or otherwise highly energetic moments. Rogo and Bayless's research began after they read an article about two friends named Lee Epps and Don D. Owens who experienced something similar. I'm going to break down their story pretty succinctly. So, okay. After years of living in the same neighborhood, Epps moved away from Toledo, Ohio, so his friend's communication was now limited to phone calls. On October 26, 1968, around 10.30 p.m., Owen's wife answered one of Epps' calls. He sounded scared and said, quote, Sis, tell Don I'm feeling real bad. Never felt this way before. Tell him to get in touch with me the minute he comes in. It's important, sis. Before Epps abruptly hangs up. She couldn't get him to answer when she called back. Later that night, the Owenses learned that Epps had been in a coma for the whole previous day before he died around 10.30 p.m. Basically saying that either right before he passed while in a coma or shortly thereafter is when this call came through. Rogo and Bayless came across more instances of ATC in the two-year study, and 
While it was hard to remove hoaxes from their pools of examples, they still concurred that ATC must actually exist. They also believed that they may be related to EVP recordings as the calls appear to be transmitted electromagnetically. Suffice to say, the Charles Peck calls, per this theory, are very similar to the Epps call. Both were in a time of crisis, and both people were already deceased by the time the calls went out. Though the main difference being that no one heard Peck's voice, and of course, Peck repeatedly called for the following 11 hours. So what do you think? Was this a case of anomalous telephone contact akin to an EVP, a prank, or an unfortunate technological error? Those are the main theories. Oddly enough, this one, I feel like it, yeah. Yeah? I, yeah, I don't think I've really ever said that. I can't, like, none of this, none of these theories that, like, line up for me that are, like, the paranormal one, which is weird, because I don't think I've ever said that. No, but I think the Halloween special, when we went to the it, USS Hornet, really starting to true. open it, him up. It really changed, you changed man. You had a it lot really of experience did, It really did change me. <laughs> um, I can't explain what happened there. Um, but that video is up if you guys want to watch it. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. From just like a like I said, I'm a tech junkie, mm-hmm. like you were saying earlier, and like yeah, sure. I don't know the intricate details of like cell phone towers or um or whatnot. But I just don't see how this. I don't know, like the motherboard or the CPU would malfunction in that sort of way. RAM would have nothing to do with it, probably. Yeah, unless it's pinging the short-term memory of the RAM. I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Like, I just, I doesn't make that from a technological standpoint doesn't make sense to me. If anything, I feel like maybe possibly the cell phone tower, the the cell provider, whatnot. But I can't, I can't. I don't know, man. That Part one is that one's eerie. And there, yeah. like I said, the big thing here is there are records to show that these calls went through. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's yeah, that's how they found him. Right. And yeah. so that that's the thing, right? Like, we didn't have that. Then I'm like, ah, you know, sure. But I'm like, oh, man, there's got to be records. And you're like, yeah, there's records. I'm right. Like, ah, this really happened then. Like, right. You can't uh, be like, oh, well, someone made it up. This was really hard to explain. It's interesting. And, and also, like, I'm with you. It, it's I'm struggling to figure out how it's not as simple as it sounds, like, to cycle through context and also send out a signal. It'd be one thing if it was a repeated person or a repeated action. That can misfire all day long if there's a short circuit. But if there's like two or three inputs happening at the same time, it's hard to imagine that the the, the little CPU that, that they had in those phones back then would, would go, okay, take this input, then that input, then the next input. You'd think that it would just be like short-circuiting and, and going haywire and not really doing anything logical. But I don't know, part of me wants to figure out what phone they had and go tinkering away in the Red Web labs. I know. And start seeing if we could like fire off, get like, do each of the theories like, Let's get a favorite. Let's get a contacts list. Let's try speed dialing and see, like, right. can we get it to do it without us doing anything? Could we, like, push a few buttons and then let it go and see if it yeah. happened? Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, we probably just can't replicate it. Yeah. It also makes me think, and this is just totally not in a serious matter whatsoever, like, man, you, man, I hope you have, like, a fire voice message. You know what I'm saying? Like back then, you know, you call someone. Remember back then, you hold a phone up next to yep. like a song, yep. like "Go Shorty, It's Your Birthday," hey. you're a party. And Sorry, like, hey. I'm too busy yeah. at the club right What's now. Up? You're 15, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and then, you, then, hey. Then, then the volume, you turn the volume down, right at a good part, and then you just pop in the mic like, like a DJ. Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, what's up, Shorty? Sorry, sorry, I couldn't get the phone right now, but go ahead and like. 
Leave me a message. I get right back to you. And then you turn it back up. And <laughs> like, go, you, go, like you don't go. know it's your boy Tim every time. Yeah, exactly. That's just for him. That's what people did back then, though. You know what I mean? Yep. They, they throw in their favorite song. I'm like, I become so nothing. And then they turn it down and be like, hey, sorry, can't come to the phone right now. And then he comes back. In. That's how people did it. Yeah, that's exactly that's it. That's how people did it. Now, no one has no. like a voice like uh, message thing. It's automated. You're totally right. And they invented something for that called the callback tone or the ringback tone. So not only could you have a ringtone when someone called you, if you called someone, you would get this really ratty like signal of a song back to you. That's like that's like <laughs> yeah. one of those songs going like, make me a It's just like okay, just give up. I'd rather have the rings. At least those are clear. Yeah. Dude, I think I called somebody in the last like two years that had that stick. Are you serious? I don't know how they did it. What? Unless they answered and then held it up and then went, what's up? But yeah. All right. Well, this has been fascinating case. A little shorter, but the Charles Peck calls. Wild one. I think I like that we kind of got a little bit more into the weeds on the theories. And like, I, I feel like we got to make it an official one out in the world. We don't normally posit theories, but I couldn't help it. I feel like speed dialing is something in play. Yeah, I could see that. I think that one that one could have big some big play there for sure. Yeah. It's the only way I can think of that would explain the specificity yeah. of the calls. Yep. That's the yeah. thing too, that's, man. That's like, to me, like with the information so we have, yep. I don't know how that could be explained otherwise. Yeah. It's a such a pinpoint glitch yeah. mm -hmm. to call family members. The biggest wrinkle is like, is just the odds of the phone in a crash either A, surviving, or because obviously it did, and then B, finding someone who then knew how to speed dial on that one. Yeah, odds are low. That's the wrinkle there. But Task Force, let us know. And if you want Red Web commercial free, if you want bonus episodes of our flagship show, Case Files, on our YouTube channel, if you want to see some bonus insights, some extra deleted scenes, things of that nature, from the Halloween special where Fredo had a whole lot of activity happening Too on much. the USS Hornet, plus we have two other ghost hunts, up as well. Head to redwebpod.com slash first to become a first member. It's essentially our Patreon. It's the best way to support this show. For $5.99 a month, you get all of that stuff I just mentioned and more. Again, it supports us directly, allows us to do what we do and continue bringing you guys mysteries every single week. Uh, with that said, Christian, what, what, what day is this going up again? We're kind of pre-recording for the holidays, but we're coming up on the end of the year, aren't we? So for this, yeah, we're, we're actually pretty tight turnaround we're recording this today december 5th this, this comes out on december 11th this comes out six days my right goodness now. oh dang. well everybody get your christmas list going yeah yeah juice those up because Avoid krampus by the time you're listening to this let's see store.roosterteeth.com there's some lovely red web merch in there if you love cryptids or if you just love our task force emblem i think it's yeah. pretty sick we have all sorts of stuff either if you want to give yourself some love and get yourself a gift or for your task force friends and family members Get all that in there, I think, by the 13th, if you want to make sure it can get to you mm -hmm. by the 25th. Because yeah. shipping and turnaround, all that stuff is going to start getting clogged as people around the world are shipping for Sandy's Day. That's true. Yeah. Don't uh, don't, don't wait up don't like delay. I do. Don't delay. Because you get stuck with all the, the long shipping, and then all of a sudden it doesn't come in time. And on top of that, it's December 11th. I just want to say this is our last episode for the year because we're signing off for our own holidays. we got families to go see. Things to go do, cryptids to find in the wintertime. You know, there's winter cryptids. Uh, so we, uh, you know, we're going to take off a couple of weeks. But we will see you guys in the, in the new year, for sure. We'll be back with more mysteries. Like a squonk with a scarf.
Where's the Yeti? <laughs> can we can we get a ringback tone going on the RT store? Red Web. What would be our ringback tone? Static? It'd be static. Ghost noises. Someone whispering in the static. Are you calling me? Well, what would it make sense what if, if I said just their go, name? My favorite thing about Alfredo is his like, it's definitely decent, but he breaks his Spanish so much. <laughs> it's, this uniquely, it, it's like uniquely broken Spanish, and I love it. <laughs> well, the thing is, I just have bits and pieces from like growing up in, you know, right. uh, half of the my family's uh, Mexican. Mm-hmm. So I just have bits and pieces. That's it. And I just throw them together he and see what happens. He knows more than he thinks he knows. I'm telling you. But the way he draws it out is like a shuffled deck of cards. <laughs> all right. With that said, thank you guys all for your support. Hope you're having a great holiday season as it comes around the corner. And we'll see you next year for yet another mystery. Mystery.